Hey guys, welcome back to The Devil You Know. My name is Luke Holden, and my next guests are two people who I have been waiting to conversate with for quite some time now. I actually saw them perform at the Five Spot two years ago at this point. Um, we'll just dive right in. This is Anana Kane or Rockley Gabriel. And guys, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your music uh, at this point, again, I want to just dive right in, is wild. You know, it's, mm. it, it really is in the absolute best way. How, I mean, okay, we haven't heard it yet, or at least I have, you know what I mean? But <laughs> none of these listeners, or I shouldn't say that, um, we should assume that a good part of them have heard it. But for those who have not heard your music, how would you describe your music? I know it's like an indie Americana duo of sorts, but. Every time I'm asked to do that, I, I get hot flashes. And I just remember the first time I distributed our music on CD Baby and had to categorize our genre. And I was just so stressed out. I'm mm -hmm. like, is it, what, is it rock? Is it alternative? What is it? I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's, it is indie Americana. Would you say? Yeah, I want to take the word to, you know, the term singer-songwriter back because it's, it's you know... It, Singer-songwriter means like nowadays it's a kind of like a genre, you know. It's usually kind of depressed guy with a guitar, acoustic guitar singing that. But I, I you know, if you think of it, of people who write their own songs and sing them, you mm -hmm. know, just literally, like I think that's that's what we're what are we doing? You know, we write our songs and play them and sing them, and they come in different forms and different genres. <laughs> well, I think that's a beautiful thing at this point. You know, when everything you know, you could argue has been done in music. If you can't define your music, you know what I mean? Then in a sense, it's all encapsulating. Yeah. And it's kind of the only way to stand out at this point in time. And uh, I think that's why you guys stood out to me was, I mean, it was just this, this myriad of sounds, you know what I mean? That kind of very stoically assaults you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, you know, David Bowie is one of our huge heroes. And mm -hmm. I remember there was this... Um, kind of like uh, advertisement thing by record company or something back in the days. There was a, there's new wave, there's old wave and there's David Bowie, meaning like he's like somewhere in his own world, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm not comparing us to David Bowie, you know, no, nobody comes even close, but it, I like that idea. I mean, what, what is, what is his music? You know, he, he, sometimes it's folky acoustic stuff. Sometimes it's crazy rock, you know, like sometimes it's glam rock. You sure. know, who knows? Yeah, and it's I know MB. that I have personally compared you guys to David Bowie, um, myself. So don't worry, you can you have you have the liberty to do that. That's fine. <laughs> well, it's something to aspire to. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a song we're gonna play on here a little bit later, "Last Days of Rome." You know, which I think actually has very strong David Bowie elements into it. So um, you guys obviously listen to a lot of Bowie. I know. Yes, I've done my research on you guys. That is more or less how you intertwined yourselves with one another is you picked up a guitar and you played a David Bowie song for him. Is that right? That's, oh, yeah. It's you, very yeah. true. I, uh -huh. I, oh, you remember. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> when we first met, I picked up a guitar and we played, I played you, Oh, You Pretty Things. I yes, that was so. wonderful. Yeah. We're, we're definitely, we share, share a love for Bowie. And that was in New York. You guys met in New York, is that right? No, we met we met in Georgia in a, in a tiny village called Sioni. Which is where you guys are from. You're from the Republic of Georgia. Yes. Yes. But she was living there. She hadn't been uh, in the States before. No, but yeah. I just went on a vacation to see my cousin. She was a friend of uh, 
my cousins. So they, they came and visited me where I was staying at my little cottage in sure. the village. Sure. So your love story was pretty rapid. You know, you guys were uh, married, what, within a year? Is that right? Yes, pretty much so. A year and a half, something like that. N- no, less. Less? Yeah. I don't remember. It's like six months or something. It's kind this of, is awful. ridiculous. We, we yeah. missed another anniversary. We always forget our anniversaries. <laughs> just as we're, we're too just, busy. Yeah. At well, least it's both of us. Maybe it's because every single day feels like an anniversary and yeah. that's true love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> write that one down. Right, right down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's very uh, interesting and, you know, emblematic. And what you guys do is obviously, you know, uh, you're married, but the way that you are able to make music together, you know, what you're able to formulate uh, aesthetically probably solidifies any sort of, you know, residual relationship that comes with it. And, you know, that chemistry that you guys are able to establish through your music, which is absolutely fucking astounding, you know, um, is, I mean, that's, it doesn't happen very often in a sense. You know what I mean? Well, thanks. That's actually really beautiful. I mean, Maybe I'm getting kind of ethereal, but you know what no, I mean? <laughs> I think I think it's correct in some sense. I mean, we definitely create, I mean, we write some of these songs separately and then we finish them together or, or we write them together, but there's some common sonic goals that we have, I think, that when yeah, we record them, it comes together. Yeah, as and, well. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So is that how you guys approach writing then? Is it sort of all up in the air where it's like, you'll come to him with a song or you'll go to her with a song and, um, absolutely. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just, it, it comes out of nowhere usually. And it, sometimes I go to the piano or she picks up a guitar mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, vice versa and something comes up and it usually if it's any good, one of us will say, Oh, what is that? And mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's well, or if Something. it's really bad, you shut it down right then and there. Or just Sometimes. ignore it, leave the yeah, room. Or yeah. ignore uh-huh. it. <laughs> Shutting down is a compliment. Yeah. The, the, the ignoring is like, have you not been listening to what I've been doing? I've been playing this for half an hour. It's uh-huh. a great riff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those days don't feel like anniversaries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but usually it is like that. I mean, we live in the same house. We're married. So the, the musical themes, themes or some, some idea that you have personally, like if you, if you get, get an idea that you meditate on and you just keep playing it, like if it's any, if it's any good, then, then I'm like, okay, well, let me record that. Cause you do forget a lot of musical ideas. So I'm always the one with the, you know, voice recording, sure. constantly keeping going. So, um, yeah, we just capture them, capture the ideas if they're any good. And if we can remember them the next day, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's some indication that it's worth fighting for. And, uh, if they turn into songs, that's great. And the the rest is, yeah, the rest is a struggle. Recording and getting, uh, well, not a struggle. Uh, I don't want to say uh, a struggle. Yeah, but, but it's, it's work. Then, it, then it's, it's work. work. Yeah. 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 In the music industry, I don't think you can really shy away from the term struggle at any mm. point in time because it is a fucking struggle at this point. You know, but what I admire so much about what you guys do is, I mean, you're full-fledged. You guys are constantly putting things out, you know, whether it's um, a cover of what was the most recent one? Foolish Pride. Yeah, it was a Jimmy Cliff song. Jimmy yeah. Cliff. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was, yeah. A, it was a fun one. Yeah. I mean, you're sharks. You don't sit still. You have your own video production company as well. Photography, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. What is it? Duende Vision? Duende Vision. Yeah. That's our, that's our child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that keeps us busy, but I love it because, you know, we have kind of like two jobs and this one, it's, 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 we love it almost as much as... 
uh, you know, creating music. I like creating visual art, you know, video art. Sure. And the video art is really, really cool. We were just talking about, you know, what you guys are able to achieve um, in such a fundamental way. You know, I mean, it's like I I, I said, you guys have this sort of Bell Epoch aesthetic um, to your videos and to your, to your, to your photography and everything like that. And, you know, it's few and far between that you see really well done music videos, well crafted Mm. imagery. Um, But it seems to come so effortlessly with what you guys do. Like Jimmy Cliff music video um, was really um, psychedelic in a sense, you know? Yeah, we didn't even put that much effort in that one. We shot it at home with our cats in the background. Yeah, the cat was in it. Uh Yeah, that was the pandemic sort of when we were stuck. That's why we were recording at home, doing recordings pretty much ourselves and doing little videos within our four walls, you know, mostly. Sure. (laughs) So that was fun. Uh, but we work with what we can. Mm-hmm. Be great fun to have huge budgets and do. We we're not short on ideas, but you know, executing them yeah. is is difficult sometimes. But a lot of I mean, we work for artists, so a lot of the times the ideas sometimes sometimes come from the artists, or we collaborate. So we're we're, we're very collaborative. So, so you're actually, you are actually hired by people. I mean, you yes. mentioned like Nicole Boggs and Fawn Larson, our common friend. For, yes. Yes. There's, at this point, there's a pretty wide range of, you know, clients, so to say, but sure. they're fellow artists um, who like, I guess, our work and ask us to um, work with them. I think it helps that we're musicians and songwriters because we approach uh, visual thing kind of like as a song. And when she edits, she pays close attention to what music does. You know? Sure, sure. The timing, the rhythm. And the fact that, you know, what's really hard to achieve is to make something a business and still stay artistically enthusiastic about it. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it definitely shines through in what you guys are doing. It is tough, but naturally when an artist comes to you and they, you know, they send you a song for, to, to listen and see if you get an ideas. I mean, when you, when you see a person being so passionate about the art they do, which is, and you know, we we're so glad that we've had that experience with the artists that we work with. I mean... You can't, it, 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 that's when I don't think of it as a business. Mm-hmm. You know, like Nicole, for example, we're working for, on a song with Nicole right now. And the song is so cool. They put so much love into it. They're so talented that just, we're just trying to create art together. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, in lieu of all of that, you guys, I can't say just released it because, you know, it came out, what, in March? Is that right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it 19th March? Nineteenth. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> you have an amazing memory. Yeah, it's a, a, to a fault. Sometimes I remember things I don't want to remember. Um, but <laughs> are we talking about the record? Yes, mm-hmm. we're talking about the record. Yeah. I, I have a terrible memory. Um, good short-term memory, but terrible long-term memory. Sure. Uh, we released the album uh, "Whispers and Sighs" mm-hmm. in March, and that was the album we um, wrote and recorded with David Olney. So. Um, yeah, that I mean, releasing that album had, was was probably the hardest thing we've ever done. Um, Why? It's well, David passed before the pandemic uh, at in January twenty twenty. Sure, and that was when the album was completely wrapped and ready he to go. He died the day that it wrapped, didn't he? Well, yes. I mean, short answer is yes. We were in the studio with Brett Ryan Stewart, uh, and we were just. We, would, we weren't doing like mix tweaks. We were just printing the mixes or something like that. And mm-hmm. we said, okay, directly sent him a text and we're like, it's done. And he was on stage in Florida and um, 
he he passed away. Good God. Uh, it was absolutely, sorry, it was absolutely just shocking and... Uh, I mean, it was heartbreaking, and I, 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 don't, I don't even know. And then after that, the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. and the, the tornado before that. So uh, we, when we went into the pandemic, I, I think the, pa- the pandemic really didn't affect me that much for, like, the first half of it, because I was we were, like, in mourning. We were just, mm-hmm. like, from one shock to another. So I really didn't wake up, to, yeah. you know, just didn't register that much. Um, and then... Everybody's like, you have to release this album. And it, it took us almost a year to really gather the courage to, because releasing an album is is a lot of work. Yeah. And it's not the kind of work that's fun. It's mm-hmm. not creating. It's not writing a song. It's not being in the studio and like recording and creating magic. It's, it's a lot of unwanted work and it was hard to do. And doing it without David and doing some interviews and... Figuring out which songs to pick as singles, mm-hmm. what kind of, when we start making music videos for them, you know, it's, we just wanted to bounce around ideas with David and he wasn't there. Yeah. So it was very, very hard. And yeah, it's instead of talking about the songs and, and album and stuff, we all had to unfortunately talk about a lot about David not being there and it was always very, very sad and very emotional, yeah. you know? So that that part really sucked. Well, it's an interesting thing because I, I know that um, obviously, um, you know, that's a, diff- that, that, that's a difficult endeavor to collaborate with, you know, the third collaborator who is not there. But what I had said, because I reviewed the album um, in, you know, in an article is, um, you know, the impression wise is uh it's kind of a kind of an encapsulation of of his existence like he it, uh, obviously because he's singing across the track but i mean he's so visually there and so audibly there um you know his existence is there you know it it, it was there when it was released and uh in a sense there's there's sort of this this phantom presence of david only um on that record in a sense where you completely forget that um at least from a listener standpoint uh you know that he was there, and well, yeah. Um, I mean, we loved the album, and we we loved the recording of it, and he was very excited about it. So, mm-hmm. I'm glad that comes across. Uh, yeah, it was just it was like it was hard for us to listen, listen to those songs. I mm-hmm. mean, after everything that happened, to you know, go out and play them, and um, this because David sang on half the record, mm-hmm. um, and uh, playing his songs was tough to do sure um well we didn't do it for a while we, we kind of like just <laughs> starting it we're just starting it's just a, it. yeah. it's very emotional and um um i don't know it, it's it's really tough yeah. I, I don't have much words many words to describe it but uh it's definitely been uh, very 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 surreal sure yeah and you guys met david um what two years ago now a few years not, not long after you moved here no, it was actually right away. I think it was within a month of moving here because, mm-hmm. yes, it was because I was staying, uh, renting a place. We were renting a place on Porter Road next to a place called Vinyl Tap, yeah, which was the old family wash, and um, that's where we saw him play. And I, I would just walk over there. I didn't even have a car yet, mm-hmm. so I just was close as bar. <laughs> so I'd go there to drink, and uh, you know, he was he was playing. I had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know who David only was, he was a very celebrated singer-songwriter in Nashville. Um, 
And it's funny, I just read something, a quote from Towns Van Zandt, who I'm a huge fan <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm talking about? I know buddies. that quote. Yeah. Were they really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I can't speak. Yeah, they definitely knew each other, did things together. Well, buddies enough to the point where Towns Van Zandt, I, a direct quote from him before he died was, yeah, my favorite songwriter is David Olney. And Mozart. Yes. That's uh-huh. the quote. <laughs> Mozart and David Olney. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, David was absolutely incredible when we first heard him and we didn't know who he was and we were at that bar at Vinyl Tap and I I just he was also quite a performer and mm-hmm. the way he he would play those songs that he'd written that they were like lyrical masterpieces and also musically very very exciting it was just it was magical and and then we 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 actually started working together on music videos first we before we ever started writing together because so, he had the record out and he, he wanted to do a video. And when I we told him that we we're doing videos, he's like, oh, let's do that. That'd be fun. I, I, I've been wanting to do that. Sure. And So uh, we met yeah. up in a coffee shop, talked about Charlie Chaplin and silent movies. Of course. And uh, we made that video called Situations for, for a really, really amazing song. And uh, and then we just naturally started writing together. No, no. Uh, speaking of Towns Van Zandt, we did a song uh, for the sake of the song. Yes, which I've heard. We did that. Really I have heard that. Live. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, 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 I'm for, sure it's shocking you how much I have actually dug into your no, past. I'm really happy. <laughs> but we did that. That was for an, uh Towns Van Zandt tribute album that came out in Italy specifically. Mm-hmm. So. Which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, I absolutely love I mean, that fucking it's, song. It's, it's Unbelievable just an enc- song. encapsulation Unbelievable of... Song. of why we all is do magic it. and yeah. why we all do it it's mm-hmm. amazing um yeah and then we naturally started writing together and it's just, it was just so special mm-hmm. you know we were kind of just all the three of us were i guess dwelling on the same ideas and we were inter- that we were interested in and musical themes as well. Yeah. Well, you guys are so lyrically profound with the way that you approach your songs, you know, and I'm somebody who I, I just, I, I love the poetry of words in and of themselves. Um, and, you know, I'm curious as to, you know, w- what it is that drives that within you guys, because it's, it's kind of few and far between, you know, the people are writing these Bob Dylan-esque uh, word pictures in their music. But, mm. you know, I, I, I gravitate toward that in your music and I'm just curious as to, I mean, where does that come from? Well, I I don't know, actually. I've been thinking about many things during the last two years and uh, I think it must, I mean, must come from, must come from where I come from. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean, I grew up um, reading poetry and uh, folk tales and Mm -hmm. things like that. And uh, um, I don't, I think you can say a lot with poetry. Yeah. You know, and, um, it's beautiful. So I, I mean, we just, we just try to write the best song we can at any given time, and you know, work on it till it's, till we can hear it back, sure, and not tweak anything any mm-hmm. longer. And speaking of which, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just, I was just thinking there are some, some people, you know, they can. I'm speaking personally for myself. Uh, you know, have beautiful, mellifluous voices and can do things with their voice. They don't even have to have a song. You know, they mm-hmm. can. <laughs> Make it sound good. Yeah. You know, when you grow up listening to, uh, I mean, Lou or, you know, Christofferson or something like that, every single word, every single syllable Mm -hmm. has to sound really good. When you pronounce it, it has to make sense. And I kind of look up to those guys. Sure. And, you know, again, if I land somewhere in the distance, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the same vicinity, it feels really good. And uh, Oni was obviously fantastic himself. So Mm -hmm. he was 
huge help. We did it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that album front to back is remarkable. Um, and one of my favorite tracks is one that I want to play right here is last days of Rome. You know, that one just fucking hits. Uh, I said it kind of has this Rolling Stones, David Bowie element to it. Well, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, obviously I don't have to hide it. It's very Keith Richards kind of riff. I don't think it's specifically any kind of, but, you know, I was actually telling David, I'm like, this is, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's ripoff, but it's certainly very influenced. It's like, well, you know, Keith Richards was, what was he doing to Chuck Berry and <laughs> Muddy Waters? You know? Well, that's kind of what so, Stanley okay, Kubrick said. Yeah. He said that, you know, every bit of art that you are producing is inspired in some way by right. somebody else. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It's almost, you know, thank you, Keith. And Keith was saying thank you for Chuck and mm-hmm. Muddy. So, yeah. And speaking so, right. of which, you guys saw the Rolling Stones a month ago too, didn't you? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. It was yeah. my first Great time surprise. seeing them. Yeah. It was it was pretty, pretty amazing night of rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I was in the nosebleed section. I actually so <laughs> were we. I, I ran into Kid Rock. I saw Kid Rock up oh, there yeah. of all the people. That's yeah, yeah, who I'm sure is one of your biggest inspirations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck are you doing up here, dude? I didn't say anything to him, but <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't love the Stones? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, that's that's I guess some people, but they're weird. No, fuck those people. Yeah. I don't care. They don't we have don't a, like them. No, they don't have a place here. But um, at any rate, I want to play a snippet of Last Days of Rome. And so this is it. What can we do? Raise your glass to the last days of Right, so that is a snippet of Last Days of Rome, and uh, I mean, that one just kind of emulates all of your sounds in one. What is that song about? I'm very, very curious. It's about many things. That one was really fun to write. Uh, Rockley had the musical idea, and um, then then David and I kind of got started writing, and the, the lines, I mean, they, I could talk about certain lines. I can't remember. I mean, the, okay. I guess it is about the... The falls of civilizations and how people in those civilizations don't really see the fall coming mm-hmm. if it's gradually happening. And um, it's through the lens of Romans, but there's other other lyrical influences there uh, from the pre-chorus. I remember we were reading, actually, we were doing a Civil War quiz, quiz on our way back from Clarksdale, Mississippi to Nashville. And we were doing this, Iraqi and I were driving and we were doing this quiz and apparently... The Union soldiers were uh, paid sixteen dollars a month, and I was like, "Oh, that's a cool, cool line." So that we wrote that is sixteen dollars a month. We'll start a civil war, uh, but then there's a there's other influences too. I, I don't know. And then we then when David came in and he wanted to talk about barbarians and Attila, and <laughs> <laughs> so we got very historical on it. But it was just a fun uh, historical exercise. Sure. Um, and. Yeah, I guess it's about civilizations ending. And I hate to say it. Empires ending more than civilizations, really. It's a little bit more contemporary than I'd comfortably like to admit, but... Well, that's the weird thing, you know, because you... 
I, I don't know. You may be referring to the leader with the holy book in his hand and like, you know, Trump. When Any he number did that of things thing at this point. I mean, this, I'm just. <laughs> it was, it was, we definitely read that way before that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We talked about that. There but, was actually some direct. Yeah. Um, people thought like, oh, that's just like when he went. I'm like, believe me. No. It was mm -hmm. way before that. You yeah. Know? So, but that's the, that's the whole song. Nothing changes. Nothing will. I mean, you know, I hopefully something will, but you know. It's, if you love, we're students of history. We we love history, so it's the same thing repeating. It's just a different face, different mask. Mm -hmm. You know, no pun intended on masks, but uh, <laughs> uh, so if you pay attention, it's kind of like, oh, here we go again. You yeah, know? yeah, here we go again. Mm -hmm. You know, which is something that I, you know, have observed, and it freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, you know, people are forgetting that history repeats itself. Forgetting that's the thing. I, yeah. Memories of. Interesting thing, you know, my mom was a specialist in memory. She was actually a neuroscientist, and mm -hmm. uh, you need to have very good memory in order to learn things <laughs> and to progress. But a lot of people actually do not, I'm, I'm finding. And this is probably as a defense mechanism, because it's kind of a curse to have a memory. Yeah. You remember all these things, and it's just a big burden. Mm -hmm. So... Well, I mean, you guys just, I, I have this random access memory myself, right. you know, and I'm fucking miserable. So. That's what I'm saying. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. You remember like John Price song. I remember everything, you uh -huh. know, it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a gift and a curse in a yeah. sense, because they say those who do not remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the spirit of all this history and what have you, you guys have both had very interesting experiences abroad and... Um, growing up in the Republic of Georgia. I mean, mm -hmm. essentially what you told me, Rockley, is that you grew up, in a sense, during the Soviet Union or, or like Not near in the a downfall. Sense. No, literally. Yes. I, mean, I was born in 1975. Sure. So first 15 years I was there. Mm -hmm. So I do remember, remember everything very, very well and in a very colorful or black and white details. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or red. Or red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then you were after the Soviet fall. I was born after the collapse. I was born in 94, so mm -hmm. um, it wasn't fun times. Uh, it was also after the Civil War in Georgia, so we grew up, um, the entire country grew up very, very poor. We mm -hmm. didn't have electricity, the the bare minimum of, um, you know, of existence. But, um, you know, it's, it was the norm. I didn't I didn't think I was having a happy childhood until, yeah. until I looked over... Uh, you know, but uh, the, actually, the the couple of lines from from uh, Last Days of Rome, uh, I, I don't know if it's a pre-chorus or somewhere, and right in the middle of the Liberty Square, fully dressed, the truth stands naked. <laughs> it's 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 kind of I mean, if you don't know what it's, it's it, it sounds real, but uh, Liberty Square is a square in in, in Tbilisi, in my hometown. Don't we call it Freedom Square? But I think Liberty I Square. I think it's sounded Liberty better. Square. No, I think it's Liberty Square. Huh. What it translates to. Um, that's when all, all our protests and revolutions happen. Mm -hmm. So people really come out. And uh, I was two thousand three was when we had the Rose Revolution and. That was my first revolution. It was like a big deal. That's one more revolution than I've lived through. Well, so. I mean, when the, they stormed the Capitol last year or whenever it was, two years ago. Oh, now. that's right. Yeah, we uh, have pockets of revolution. Right, right. And Anna was watching and she's like, ugh, I'm only like 27. And it's like, I'm watching my third revolution. I'm getting bored <laughs> with this, you know? Everyone's like freaking out. And we're like, oh, dear, look at that 
Viking hatchet guy. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. These What's guys, he about? This is more fun than in Georgia. You yeah. know? At least this guy's dressed up. You know, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. sorry. I'm making. You know, I'm I'm laughing because it's you know defense mechanism. It's really um, sad. But yeah, we've had quite quite an interesting path, I guess. Um, U.S. You, you you pretty much escaped the Civil War. Yeah, I missed. Uh, yeah. Lucky to miss really bad bad stuff because I would definitely would not be here. So you were essentially fleeing. Is that I didn't I didn't I left right before it uh, started in okay. ninety. It was actually so you had the drop on it then uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but afterwards things got you know really bad, and I definitely I don't I don't think I would have. I mean, I may have made it, but a lot of my friends you know perished because of you know. Yeah, various things, gunfights, knife fights, drugs, explosions. You know, well, we've, we've all lived through one or two yes, of those yes. things. So, yes. yeah, yeah. uh huh. And then I saw a picture. I remember that you posted a while back where you speak of being happy and having no idea what the fuck was going on. You know, in in, in like a diabolical sense, and you're in a bucket. Yes, you're in a little bucket <laughs> in in your bathtub as a child. That's actually funny because that that was what. The, the big realization when uh, my friend Rosemary Fossey saw that picture of me bathing in a bucket and she just got this real, really sad, sad look on her face. And till till that moment, I swear it didn't really occur, occur to me that my childhood would be translated as sad, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody was like, everybody was bathing in buckets. Everybody had kerosene lamps that were we were hitting up soups on. Mm-hmm. Um so it was pretty much our reality. But then I realized, oh, it is really sad. We didn't have running water. We sure. were just bathing in buckets. But that was right before the pandemic when people were like stocking up on toilet paper. Yeah. So I think I was just... Yeah, it was a flashback, definitely. When you see the empty counters in a supermarket in New York, you're like, oh, it's like, you know, Moscow, 1986. I feel so, home. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the... There's some funny article that came out right after the pandemic hit, and it was... a. Uh, a Soviet's Guide to Surviving a Pandemic. Oh, okay. oh, that was great. It was a fantastic article. Yeah, I like that. I could yeah. have used that. They yeah, teach yeah, yeah. you how to make friends with uh, supermarket owners and, mm-hmm. you know, just bribe them. Sure. Well, I just made friends with voices in my head, so. <laughs> yeah. Me too. They were always there for me. That's good. So when you guys came to the U.S., I mean, that had to have been just a total culture shock, or maybe I'm over-assuming that. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, do you talk about your experience? Because... Well, it was yes and no. I mean, I lived. I was in Norway. I was in Germany. I was in England for a while before I moved here. My dad had gotten jobs, so it was it was definitely different. I mean, it was unique, but I think I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was a big culture shock, or mm-hmm. or it was just weird, or I. I'm only starting to think about these things now, looking back, now that you ask me, because back then I was just living. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that much. It was definitely different from Europe because, you know, uh, you go from a school in Europe where uh, everybody takes bicycles to school, 
you know, uh, you have cigarettes in the breaks with teachers, you drink black coffee, you talk about things, you know. I came here and I asked for a cup of tea and they were like, no, it's caffeine and it's not allowed for children. And I was like, <laughs> are, you, are you joking, right? You know, I've been drinking tea since I was a kid. Yeah. And then I walked outside and lit a cigarette and they're like, no, you go into detention. You're not allowed to smoke. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm 17 years old. Why am I not allowed to smoke? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They said <laughs> this was break. the land of the free, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. like things like that, you know, and I wasn't kind of a wealthy part of the uh, country or New York and Long Island and Huntington and, you know, just children of a lot of wealthy people, you know, houses, they had, you know, drive to schools in like little convertible BMWs or Mercedes. That's different from taking a bicycle. Um, I was taking school bus, you know, I was the only junior and senior in a school bus full of kids. Yeah. Yeah. You can't smoke, you can't have tea, but you yeah. know, they give you free rides to school. So yes, that's nice. Yeah. yeah it's very uh-huh. good. You know, I'll take it. Yeah. But going back to your point, my experience, I don't think I ever experienced the cultural shock when I moved, but uh, I'm now, I think the, sh- the cultural shock is, happens gradually. Sure. Uh, it's when you really get a sense of the culture mm-hmm. uh, to the point that you start comparing it to the culture that you've known before. Um, that's kind of what I'm experiencing now after eight years of living here. Sure. But I don't think I ever was shocked by, I moved to, I moved to New York and Iraqi had been living there for a long time, so... Um, no, I was just excited when I first moved here, but I think I'm now more shocked. <laughs> well, there's plenty to be shocked about. There's no doubt about it's that. It's like so. a, a gradual shockness. Mm-hmm. Shockness. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly wor- boiling water. It's worldwide though. Now everything's so global. It's the same thing going on everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, even when I watch the, like on the social media or something where I go, like people in Georgia, my friends, I would say probably like 30% of my social media contacts are people from my past in Georgia, you know, and the rest of it's Americans or Europeans. And it's like literally the same thing. And it's not just because of COVID before that, like just same complaints about everything before it just didn't, it was not like that. You yeah. know, they're differently, distinctly different lives, which was kind of cool. Cause you get out of here, go there and you're like, Whew. I'm having a break, but now <laughs> wherever I go, it's the same shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no shortage of things to yeah. bitch about. You know, everything is kind of in monochromatic. Yeah, across. I just want to bitch about different things. Well, uh, by know. all means, that's your prerogative. I know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We still can. We can. <laughs> is that a new movement? I know. Yeah. 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 No one's stopping you. That's mm. uh, that's for sure. Um, what uh, what's coming next for you guys? I'm curious. What is worth not bitching about, I suppose? <laughs> oh, I, go on. Do you have something else? No, I'm just, I'm actually, no, I'm actually really excited. I'm feeling, I, the last few days, I've been feeling extraordinarily grateful every time I'm in, in Nashville. You know, like when I think about what we get to do, what we got to do, mm. uh, it's amazing. Like I'm amazingly, I mean, I apart from stuff we work, Together, I've been working on three different records, co-writing and producing, and I'm hoping they're going to come out next year. Uh, you know, do that like every day, pretty much. You know, go into studio, uh, record stuff. Who gets to do that? I mean, thank thank God, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, with video work, we get paid for it. Open sessions pay. So we manage to stay afloat. Yeah. Which is incredible that's more than most artists can say right right we not like you know they're not gonna get wealthy you know unless that's not even something we even think about but 
just yeah. daily work sure. every day to get to do something like that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And that's been really possible in Nashville for us, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. We are getting into recording, um, recording some songs. Actually, the songs we wrote with David, mm -hmm. but we didn't get a chance to record. Because after we wrapped the Whispers and Sighs, we, we, we wanted to keep going. We had more songs. We had material. Oh, we wanted to do the next we album. To do we started album, working really. next album, yeah. With David, while well, he was here. Sure. Yeah. But we didn't get a chance to do that, so we're just now slowly starting to record it. And uh, we don't really have a big plan. We're just trying to... We I think we're going to record songs with different people. Just we have so many friends, and all of them are great producers. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good thing about Nashville. There's just so many talented people here, and, and they're uh, good people too. They're great people. They're we good have, fucking we're people. We're so lucky with our with the music community, and I mean that's the only community we have. I haven't met a non musician <laughs> in four years. Well, if you meet one, it's actually kind of exciting. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they call them unicorns. Right, the unicorns. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Um, so the community is wonderful here. Like Rocky said, I'm, we're beyond grateful. I'm, I, it, I never take it for granted that this is what, what I get to do. Yeah. Very different stuff we get to do. You know, I, I was just listening to some of the songs. Like a lot of, I got to do some country songs, writing them, and that's really cool. And have some you been you've been writing country songs for people? I wouldn't say I've been writing them for people. I've uh -huh. been writing them with people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and are these pop country songs? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, I mean, I think pop country means something else now, like something that I cannot really relate to. The Good. stuff that's on the radio, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if I was doing that, I'd, maybe I would have a chance at something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, we're just uh, more like, you know, like working with American country artists. Of course. You know, people who are from here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. curious how you guys feel about, you know, the... Uh, Talk about another pandemic. I mean, maybe I'm speaking alone here, but the, you know, the the pop world and the pop country world, um, <laughs> you know, in contrast to your music itself here in a city that is kind of predominated by this sort of, you know, I'm going to call it rigorous shallowness. Maybe you feel that way as well. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But by and large, I, you know, I feel a certain way about pop music and pop country music itself. And you guys have sort of found your own niche in the midst of all that. I don't, I don't know if it was such a conscious thing. I mean, I, we don't really listen to much modern music. Mm -hmm. I, but also when we moved to Nashville, we just naturally fell into a certain group of people and right. we just started playing and we discovered Five Spot and that's where, where we played our first I show. I don't think and we're very exposed to that, you know, like where we are in our community, it's filled more like a little village. Well, you that's know? why I love East Nashville. Yes, right. so... Um, so I, we went downtown for some reason. Oh, we went to dentist or something, you know, and I, I walked down to Broadway. I mean, that's a different world. It's like, you know, it's almost like, oh, I'm a tourist here now, too. Like, oh, what's what's this like? Wow, it's a circus, weird. man. Ooh. Um, so we're not really exposed to that. And on the radio, I don't... Every once in a while, I catch something and it sounds really weird. Sure. I don't want to say it sounds bad. I just don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a whole, that's really just what it is. Yeah, it's a language in and of itself that I, yeah. I personally don't speak. So, you know, I sound very judgmental saying this, but call me crazy i don't really give a shit you know? i don't think you do i mean you know it's we're all trying to navigate this this modern world yeah yeah i suppose and so arts are also changing and sometimes we can't keep up 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, before the fall of Rome, right? Before the fall of Rome. Oh, it's coming. The empires. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I, yeah. I, I, I keep saying I... Uh, but then again, it's been coming for a long time. It has been, yeah. Yeah, yeah the wheel of time is uh, about to crush us, you know, mm-hmm. without sounding too diabolical. I, I always say I plan on dying before I'm 35. Um, not because I want to, you <laughs> know. It's an odd goal. Yeah, well, you know, it's more Can't, of a reality than a goal, so... Don't plan those things, man. Yeah, yeah I'm putting bad juju out there. That much, Tony, you can actually believe other than... You know, the virginity thing, that, that that is not a thing. Um, anybody who's listened prior to this. And, I you know, do have to that. say, after I turned 40, I definitely became happier. Really? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you got catching up to do. <laughs> no, I do. I just stopped I giving a shit. Sure. I think yeah. Yeah, you gradually start giving less and less shit. And there's only like the, the bag of shit is like yeah. only so big. So at some point the bottom drops. And you're like, I don't actually give a shit. That's very poetic. Uh, yeah. Well, I just turned thirty. I can tell you that. And um, you know, twenties are weird, man. Twenties are like your second puberty. I always say that. Just it's like these little pockets of chaos and and you know self doubt and what have you. And um, Anana, you're still in the midst of that. And I'm 27. It's yeah. the, the weird weird uh, year. Yeah, it is. Um, well, you know, if you're cool enough, you will die this year, you know, and then I, you will I, have um, a legacy. I have to say I'm not planning <laughs> no, to die. No, 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 no. But I will say I kind of get it. Like 27 has been the weirdest year and the deepest year in, in many ways. I've been doing a lot of a lot of searching or, well, I don't want to say searching. That just sounds so I think it so sounds strange. great. Seeking. But they call me seeking, the seeker. Yes, mm-hmm. I've been a lot of you know, mental traveling because I can't physically travel anywhere. Sure. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it's a strange number. But, um, you know, we also got a very once in a lifetime chance of sitting at home and like really taking time to, um, you know, learn about yourself. I haven't gotten a chance to do that since before the pandemic, really. We were having very, very busy lives and we just didn't have time to stop. Yeah. So I've just been diving into things I loved as a child and reading and, uh, you know, immersing myself in art again. Sure. And trying to, because I I think before the pandemic, we were just so busy and constantly, creative work is really tough to do. You know, there's this well of creativity and you're constantly like you you get water from it and just, (laughs) you know, it's like you don't want to empty that well. Yeah. And oddly enough, you're thirsty the entire time too because you know there's exactly. always something to strive there's for a, so the yeah. only alternative if you want to extract from that well is to dig deeper deeper again so um that's kind of i think i got a chance to do that and and i'm actually strangely grateful it's been very hard very hard and really you know disastrous couple of years but uh for me personally i got, I got the really the luxury of time mm-hmm. which you know i didn't have before and the luxury of time yeah. Yeah. It's a subject in and of itself. I know that, you know, for me, when all of this shit hit the fan, the bag of shit, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Which was sack of shit. The sack of shit, which was far from dropping out. Um, it forced me to recalibrate, you know, I, I you know, with music because it, it seems like such a, you know, it has such a phantom end. There is no end to it, which is a nice thing in the sense that, you know, there's constantly something to strive for, but also the goal is very ominous in and of itself. You know, I had to, sort of reestablish what I was doing then and there. Um, and I, I, know, I started this podcast, um, started writing a little bit more, which is how I met you guys. 
you know, was through reviewing your, your music in that mm-hmm. magazine and um, what have you. So I suppose, you know, utilizing that, that void in that blank space is, um, there's something to be said about that. You know? Yeah, that's wonderful. And so like figuring out not just, I mean, not just music, but other things too. I mean, we do do like filming and, um, you know, music videos for a living, but also other things. I'm trying to like get into painting more. and That's the same. Uh, Everybody like, either just, starts baking banana bread, golfing, or painting. You know, when they're cooking, looking for high peppers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're expanding things I've been now. cooking a lot. I also like finally like discovered my own inner clown. That's That's been my big discovery in the last Inner clown? Year. Inner clown. You know, Fellini used to say like everyone has an has an inner clown in in them. So like I've I think I've discovered my inner clown. In Mine them. is an inner sad clown. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all all the emotions. Uh, so I'm thinking I might be working on my on my clown. Sure. Well, none of us are laughing at you, so you know you can, you know you can be consoled in that way. I love clowns. I've well, always loved had deep love for clowns. Not you know theatrical everybody clowns. Everybody else is afraid of them. She I, loves them. I, I actually had a guy, a roommate in college, who was so fucking scared of clowns. Like I would put pictures of clowns in his room, and he wouldn't. Like he would not sleep that it's night. So irrational. Yeah. In America, I, or I don't know. There's some different understanding of a clown here. I think. I think. Well, it is. I, I mean, it's, it's a pop, part of the pop culture and horror movies, but like from where we come from, it was. Uh, we're thinking more like commedia dell'arte, yes, like um, a sad person who communicates feelings mm-hmm. to audience. Sure. I mean, I there was know. actually when we. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, no, no, honestly, it makes <laughs> no, too much sense to me, and I'm realizing yeah. how, how much of a clown I, think I am. I it makes so. a lot of sense. I mean, when we. After David died. A comedian we, as a clown. A comedian. After David died, we had to. So he died, and then two days after that, we were supposed to go down to New Orleans and play the um, Focal Lines, play the Focal Lines, which we were going to present our album. We had an official showcase and Mm -hmm. 40 minutes, and we we were going to present our album for the first time. Sure. We were going to play it, and uh, then he passed away, and it was... Was it a week after or a couple of... I, I don't know, my memory No, it was set. literally three days after. Three days after, and uh, after he passed away, we were urged by, you know, his family and his manager to still go down and play mm-hmm. play there. And it was really, really hard to do. But um, I think I, Iraq, through Iraqi, I remember this story of uh, this Soviet um, clown called uh, Oleg Popov, um, who he was in Germany touring and he got his the news of his wife passing and he had to go on clowns stage. Clowns have wives, okay. Clowns have wives. And he got, he had to go on stage and do clowning as and he did it it was just it was just i don't know so sad and so i don't know i guess i think i just remember that story and got inspired by it but still it was the hardest thing i'd ever done <laughs> yeah I was choking on those songs i we should never have done that it's there's this idea that you like you know for art you have to do it through the through the tears and things like no hell no I wouldn't, you know, that was the stupidest thing we've ever done. I will never do it again. And hopefully I will never, ever have to. But if you're mourning a a loss of your friend, Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to go on stage unless you really feel like it. But I, it was, it was just pointless. And I I felt like crap. It was the most traumatizing experience of my life. Oh, wow. Of of adulthood. Like, of adulthood. (laughs) I've lived through some traumatizing things as a child, but as an adult, like, it was absolutely traumatizing. Sure. Yeah. This couch has turned into a therapist couch. Thank you. Isn't that the Every couch should be a therapist couch. (laughs) I suppose so. I suppose so. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's nice to see that you guys have made it through all of that. And I've, um, you know, I, I've asserted since, you know, I heard you the first time is I think that, I mean, you have an astounding voice, you know, it's, it, 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 it's got, I, I think I described it as kind of an ethereal madness in a sense, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very <laughs> controlled stoic chaos. I wish you know? that was a genre I could tackle yeah. music under. Can we do never that? say never, yeah. never say never. Yeah, and when did you find out you could sing like that? Because I mean, it, it's so fucking trademark, and it's just like, what well, the hell? Because like this small girl, you know, and just like the symphony, you know, comes out of your lungs when you <laughs> thanks sing. Thanks so much. I don't know. I was, um, I was actually when I was a kid, I was um, in, in music school for piano, so mm-hmm. I never really. I mean, my first, I've always loved singing, but I was very embarrassed always, and hard to it was like hard for me to admit um, in Georgian circles. Mm-hmm. Just so funny. Uh, Georgians are very musical people. So, um, in any occasion, there's somebody with a guitar on a bow on it and singing some, you know, very heartfelt, um, sentimental songs. Um, the moments I got to sing as a child was on, uh, like, my mom, mom was quite religious. So, we would sing, like, uh, like Gregorian chants and, mm-hmm. like, some of those, like, older Georgian folk songs. Mingralian? Yeah, and Megrelian mm-hmm. things. Yes. Yeah, those things. And I think that kind of instilled this like voices and uh, harmony and the sense of harmony in me. So I've always been a fan of that. But then it was, I think I was like really 16, 17 when I just like, I guess I really, really wanted to sing. And I just said, fuck it. And I just got a guitar and started busking on the streets with my friend, yeah. Ketty. Um, so we were just saying, you know, I don't know. The array of songs. You sang that, that um, Linda Perry song really well. Uh, the Four Non Blondes song. Oh, we, yeah, we love singing that. <laughs> What's like, going on? What's yeah. going What's on? Up? Yeah, uh-huh. What's up? that song um, has kind of made a resurgence with this younger. Yeah. We would no, sing so, yeah. some Janis Joplin songs. I don't know, just all those like you know the big anthemic songs mm-hmm. that we're excited about. But uh, that was, yeah, I was still not very like. I never thought I would ever be doing music at mm-hmm. all because uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's changed, but. Back then, if you weren't doing classical music and you weren't going to the conservatory, you weren't really a musician Sure. Um, in Georgia. So I was busking in the streets and then I, when the moment came that I had to like finish high school and choose which direction to go with in college, I just went with, I had two things that I could really pursue was either film studies or philosophy. And I went with philosophy. I don't know why, but... Um, well, I was an English major in school. So and, I think a lot of people yeah. end up, a lot of creative people end up with like writing or philosophy or things like that. Yeah, so. and poverty as 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 a result because, you know, we're majoring in 100%. fucking English. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's yeah. really a silly thing to do. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I uh, should have been an electrician or uh-huh. a plumber or something. You know, something God forbid engineer. anybody tells an artist they can't, you know, do something that they want to do. Right, We're very right. stubborn people in right. that way. I know that I'm a terrible businessman. You know, I, I believe in my art, but I'm a terrible fucking businessman. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, I remember when my parents wanted me to go to law school and I even applied and, you know, I got into law school, but it was, I had side jobs as a paralegal for a while in New York, you know, temp things. And I was just watching that. I'm like, well, you need like some kind of, you definitely need the talent or something like that to be a lawyer. I mean, I can't, I just cannot do that. My brain doesn't function that way. I'm watching these people in the office, what they do, 
how they communicate. That's like, I mean, business or whatever it is, everything takes talents. You need to have some kind of pension towards it, like natural inclinations. Why? You can't just become a lawyer. I mean, you can, but you won't be any good at it. Now, is that... I would be a very bad lawyer. Very bad lawyer. Well, thank God you didn't become one. Um, (laughs) In that regard, you know, there's probably a lot of people who didn't wind up behind bars because you were not their lawyer. Right. (laughs) Or or even corporate. It's even worse. Well, speaking of corporate, you were working in the World Trade Center, weren't you? No, I was not. I did not take that job. Oh, that's right. Because of those reasons. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Did I... I, Yes, we did. You did mention that. It was a year before the... You know, the tower went down. Mm-hmm. I, I did have an interview in like 81st floor or something. It was a German law firm and they wanted me to work for them. But I, I just thought it would take too much of my time. My buddy wanted to start the band. I didn't even know how to play uh, at all. I, I didn't. So, but I really wanted to do the music and I was like, I don't, I, it just doesn't feel right. Sure. And I mean, I don't know. If you can make any sense out of it, whatever you Talk want. Talk about intuition. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so I'm just, like, but when the whole thing happened, you know, I watched it and I was, then it hit me like, oh, I didn't take that job because I wanted to do to, to gigs and yeah. it would take too much of my time. They're like, you can work a lot of overtime here and get paid really well. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, fuck it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's very sad. Yeah, it is. That's a story that could have ended very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it, you know, it didn't for a lot of people. Yeah. About 3,000. That was uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely shocking. We've. I lived through that. Yeah, right there. Twenty years ago, I just celebrated the twenty-year anniversary of nine eleven. Or, or yesterday feels like it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I was a child. I remember that was a, that's a whole other dark subject. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, talk about remembering things. Yeah. When something like that happens, you know, people say, I don't know exactly when President, where I was when President Kennedy died. I mean, it's just like, I, I can tell you at what time I was where on that day and what I was doing and what kind of slice of pizza I had at the end of the day because I was like finally starved. You yeah, know? yeah, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's it's really weird. Mm-hmm. It's those weird little things that, you yeah. know, the, the, the miserable memories you remember the details yeah. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A conflict. Closer. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's a particularly sucky feeling to be on the ground and know that, like, airplanes dropping a bomb or a missile on you. So, you know, it's, 
I have a lot of sympathy for people overseas who uh, have experienced that. You know? See, these are experiences that the everyday person would have no idea how to unpack. You know well, what I mean? And have never fucking had. When the, you know, last time I was very, very overtly active politically, which I kind of like, I'm not really anymore. Sure. Just, just, just turn into sadness. Sad clown. There yeah, it is again. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, when the, the Iraq was war was starting the second one, you know, I mm-hmm. just remember I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be a really bad story. With like yeah. Well, it's <laughs> like all of these things that come, you guys are like briefed on them. You know what I mean? And there's such a serenity yeah, about nobody the way listens to us, you know, of course, <laughs> or to anybody who speaks like they're like, yeah. oh yeah. Somebody was like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to install democracies in Iraq and we're going to have an ally there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nah, uh-huh. nah, it's not going to be like that. Well, how do you know? Like you think people in the government don't know what they're talking about? Yeah, maybe they do, but they have different ideas yeah. or uh-huh. maybe they just don't you know it's gonna play out like this yeah it's only one way of doing it and it's horrible to Mm -hmm. drop bombs on people i mean it's just i mean i guess in world war ii they had to do it some of it's like oh man it's it's just it's perpetual warfare falls down on you you know it is perpetual warfare yeah you know you're trying to have breakfast with your family with your children all right. Well, are we having fun yet? I can't. I can't. I'm trying to detach myself from the modern world. Like I am constantly reading about the ancient world, ancient worlds, and like Plato and things like that. I just don't want to talk about modern. Remember stuff. when I said I was having so much fun writing country songs? Like, let's get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh huh. Yeah. Our own little world. That's why we're artists, uh-huh. so we can escape reality, I suppose. But in a way, we're just kind of recycling reality and and in a lot of ways the darker parts of it i know i'm a very dark songwriter myself uh in that way you know we use it as a segue out of reality uh and i think that that's kind of what has saved my sanity personally is that i had an out um from you know all of this shit uh that you know you experience one-on-one and all the things that you observe you know and if you can turn it into something beautiful you know everybody said it a million times over then um you know Oddly enough, artists are the craziest people in the entire world, but they're also probably the sanest, you know? Yeah, I used to beat myself up for it. I'm like, I'm an artist. Like, what am I doing? Like, what kind of impact am I having? This was when I was younger. I just, sure. like, had the ambitions of having some impact. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's a profound take on it, without a doubt. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's just you just touched upon something interesting the artist you know maybe also the sanest people i don't know about that but artists get a lot of shit for being outspoken right about yeah. like political stuff especially and now it, especially now because they say you know an sort of actor can come out and deliver a very passionate speech and everybody's like oh well what do you know like why do you say just shut up and do your thing like 
it's you know it's kind of besides being rude it's it's also like not right in my opinion because i think an actor or a songwriter is if anybody's any good you know they study so much mm -hmm. they do so much work they learn so much about human condition and communicate so much with uh, different kinds of people and read and learn that their understanding of a human soul i think is you know it's it's pretty it's on the level you know so i think they do have a right to say things and very often they do say wise things sure. you know so uh, well i really I mean, like I that way about the way that you guys write is it is very profound and close to the human condition um and my favorite writers um and musicians they 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 tell it in 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 an kind of autonomous outside perspective uh in the sense that they're telling stories you know personal stories through the lens of you know conceived personalities you know what i mean because a lot of you know your music is, is is very profound and very beautiful, but it's it, it has a fabled element to it in the sense that like you are creating characters in your songs. You know, you are telling the stories of somebody else in a sense. Um, whereas a lot of musicians approach it from "This is me." I'm I'm talking directly about you know my relationship, my experience. Whereas you know you guys are are, are kind of like I said, creating characters in your songs in a sense. I don't know if there were characters. It felt very. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, no, I, I I I'm I'm with you. I mean, very rarely I. I mean, when I sit down and write, a lot of the times it doesn't start from like my experience of a certain event or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's more like the ideas that I've been meditating on or something that just surface by certain lines or mm -hmm. something like lyrical lines or something. And then, yes, then it's about crafting the story or a point of view of a character. I yeah. do think in characters personally. Um, I know like David also did at some, po some points. So songs are different. I mean, some of you know, some turn into character characters that turn into you at the end or yeah. or vice versa. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Ain't Dead Yet is the one that really stands out to me in that way. Yeah, Ain't Dead Yet. Ain't Dead it Yet was is a collaboration. It was, yeah. not, it was not just us. No, it was yeah. not just yeah. us. It was... Um, Freddie Stevenson is a great Scottish songwriter, a very close friend of mine and a big hero of mine. Sure. And we've written a lot of songs mm -hmm. um, even before Anana and I started working together. So there was... Uh, idea of coming from him and me at the time sure and we just kind of really we made a song out of it, yeah. basically. Out of it yeah. Yeah. and you're talking about kings you're talking about all these different fairy yeah. tales and yeah, what have yeah, you yeah. you know yeah, yeah. it's a very charming you know and uh enchanting song but yeah, also yeah. dark and daunting too which I fucking <laughs> yeah love. we gave the yeah. dark uh well it was kind of like when freddie and i were riffing on it it was kind of like 12 bar blues but then i came up with this kind of like minor key riff and Changed. I like to develop things musically. We both do. You know, sure. that's that's another different thing. Like here, they often very much want you to stick to three chords. Yeah, uh -huh. which is great. Three chords and truth is great, but you can you can do five chords and tr mm -hmm. still tell truth. You well, know, don't tell ACDC that because I think they made like an entire career out of three chords. I'm not, it's great. <laughs> but we love ACDC. But there is this. I've, I I have definitely like the putting some minor. This is like some minor chords in your song. Like immediately makes it dark supposedly yeah I didn't, that's I've really weird i've never heard of that before because i guess it spooky. is spooky they say they call it spooky, spooky. here yeah right like why are you doing this spooky stuff i'm like it's just a minor chord like mm -hmm. what's so spooky about that yeah yeah mm -hmm. well i don't know maybe it is uh you know somewhat cultural i mean we we do come from 
East, you know. Sure. Somewhat, somewhat more Eastern than, I don't know. We, or like, I mean, I also grew up listening to classical music and I don't know. It's so like, you have to have some minor keys in there and major, it's just a balanced harmony. Of course. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but lyrically too, I, I mean, I grew up, like I said, like I grew up on folk tales and mm-hmm. um, I've always been a big fan of mythology and yeah. uh, I feel like if you want to, I don't know, this is going to sound ridiculous, but this sort of like more metaphysical kind of themes of life is hard to talk uh, talk about with, mm-hmm. you know, language really breaks down when you want to talk about deep things. So yeah. you, you do that through metaphors and mm-hmm. um, allegories and things like that. So it's yes. just, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that, that, that comes to like poetry. That's why I love poetry it's yeah. because it's the, you know, you can say a lot with with poetry. Which is kind of ironic in a sense that when you want to talk about the, the most visceral and human things, uh, in a sense, or, um, you know, really down deep to the core, you have to use symbols and, and you could say lies in a sense, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because it, it's, it's almost so intangible that, you know, the only way to really grasp it is to personify it, you know, and, and it's a very difficult thing to, um, make that the primary bloodline of your work. And one guy who I know that we both love, uh, is Nick Cave, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Who is, is somebody who's just fucking supreme at doing that. Um, yeah. and I've always said, like, I want to hear you guys do, uh, some kind of co- like, like some sort of, you know, deep brooding cover of the mercy seat, you know, which is <laughs> one of my favorite even songs. More brooding than that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know. If you could achieve uh, that. Yeah, then. I like, <laughs> yeah. I do love Nick Cave. He has this beautiful, um, blog online. I don't know if you've checked it out, Red, Redhead Files or something like I that. I have not. He, oh, ans- great. he answers yeah. questions from uh, fans. No shit. And Wait, I have heard of this. It's beautiful. The way he answers the most uh, mundane questions. It's yeah. just so philosophical and beautiful. I, I, I deeply, deeply admire him. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I saw him at TPAC at, uh, you know, the Tennessee I Performing Arts Center. I missed that show. That was... It was so good. And you want to hear something great. This is a funny little story because he did this. He didn't shy because he's experienced some, his son died, I know. you know, in his, in a tragic accident. And it was like, you know, he's going to go and do this tour with the world and all of his fans and not shy away from any question, you know, and share that experience with, uh, his fans. And, you know, he said something really interesting where he said, you know, I don't, you know, my son doesn't live inside of me. He lives, I, I, I let him out and he lives alongside of me. You know, which is mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful and human things you can say through this symbolism, through this personification. So, you know, with so much impunity where, you know, you know, there's a piece about him, whereas a lot of his music is and his personality seems larger than life and like, ugh, you know, uh, draconian and, and, and vampirical. Um, but it was so interesting and so humbling to see him speak like that and to see him present himself like that. Um, and that was amazing. I garnered so much respect for him, but it was funny because he was taking questions from the audience and I, I got called on in the last second and I don't know, I was having a weird night. Like my car got towed 10 minutes before the fucking show. I had to take an Uber there. Mm. I've been looking forward to it for forever. And so my brain was just going nuts, you know, and I got called on and the guy was like, you know, he pointed to me and I, I, I could have had like a, like, like an actual conversation with Nick Cave in that moment, you know, in a room full of people. And I could have asked him, I was going to say, are you afraid to die? 
you know, because he says in the mercy seat, I'm not afraid to die, which is, you know, obviously he's emulating a certain character. But for some stupid godforsaken reason, there was this guy who had his hand up and I was like, oh, you know what? He's had his hand up the whole show. Why don't we let him answer the question? You know, everybody's had their hand up. Everybody's been waiting to get an answer. You know what I mean? And this guy asked this like bizarre question like so your music is about your music is about transhumanism and 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 i think he was talking conspiracies and like essentially talking about reptilians and everything and nick <laughs> just goes you know i i feel responsible for putting him in that position <laughs> you know and he goes honestly i have no idea what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like that was his reaction That's i was great. like look what i just did to this poor guy you know what awesome. I mean? he's wonderful we uh saw him in at the beacon theater in new york and 2016, right? Was it yeah, 16? or 17. It's right it was, before we moved it was here. absolutely the best thing, best show I've ever seen. It was incredible. Yeah, really, really amazing. He came down um, from the stage to the audience mm-hmm. at some point, and it was it was also also very loud. It was like one of the loudest shows I've sure. ever seen. Yeah, he like when he like he's he can really rock and roll. Oh like, yeah, he can. Like it's pretty amazing. I love. I'm, I'm a, bad seeds, you know. Yeah. They they make it rock. Yeah, yeah, and Warren, he, yeah. He's preserved himself so well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Physically, vocally. Like, I'm, I mean, you're just not missing a beat in that way. Like, there, there, there's no deterioration to what Nick Cave is. You know what I mean? And and I think that's such a beautiful thing and an incredible thing, you know, to strive for in, in artistry. And you guys are so very much in that realm. Well, you know? I think he did that because he always, like, he always, he kept releasing new albums and making new music. Like, we saw Dylan uh, a week ago and he... Did you really? We did, and he played his last album, which we loved so much. It was a great album. He was fantastic. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not up there trying to play "Blowing in the Wind" on a guitar. No. So, uh, and I, I admired that. Yeah. You know, he's doing what. It's in the moment. He's in the moment. Feels and, f- always fresh and real. Yeah. You know. And you guys covered a Bob Dylan song. We did. We Senor. did. Senor. Yeah. That was yeah. uh, Dylan. Mm-hmm. That was from the album called Straight Legal, and. Uh, I I heard of, of, of the, that song through Iraqi because Iraqi is like the biggest Dylan fan ever, mm-hmm. um, and I just I loved that song instantly. And yeah. then it's a prayer, really, isn't it? We put it down like just like fun, and we kind of had it in in our computer for like a year and a sure. half before we even like, do we should we release this? Because it you know it could be cool. Mm-hmm. I was surprised what a great um, response that got. I really didn't. I mean, it was really really great response. You know, I heard even Dylan's manager sent us a little note. No saying, shit. Yeah. Of what? course, this got lost but, in translation. Yeah. And my parents thought that we were having lunch with Dylan or something. <laughs> you should let him believe that. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many yes. things that get yes. lost in translation. Yeah. We don't yeah. we'll walk our dogs together, Bob Dylan and us. Of yeah. course, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I've seen Dylan twice. And um, I, I here's the thing is everybody complains about his show because it doesn't sound good. It really doesn't. Like he croaks, but I'm like, I'm looking at Bob Dylan. You know, this is like contemporary history in the fucking flesh. You know, I, I think it the, sounded amazing I, last I, night. I well, mean, not those last week. Those are the people. Yeah, of course. Uh huh. Yeah. But yep. f- for real though, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like rough and rowdy ways, he, that's why it's so wise the show he just did because mm-hmm. 99% of it was his last few albums. So he does sound exactly like on those records. Yeah. So if you like those records, then you're getting the show, you know? Sure. And the dude's been doing this for 50 years. How is he supposed to sound or why should he sound like, you know? Exactly. Bring it all back home. Like, yeah. How is that going possible, you know? Uh-huh. Buddy. 
Yeah. 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 So I'm curious then, speaking of these guys who you admire so much, um, and I know you have a rehearsal to get to because you have a show tonight at the five spot. Unfortunately, no, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Not, yeah. This will air after the show, unfortunately. Okay. So it doesn't you know? matter anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm but, not promoting it. Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. But there will be more shows to follow. But yeah, yeah. I'm curious is, is if you could choose an artist, you know, whether it's together or individually, one person who you could collaborate with, who you could create something with, who would it be? If they're dead, it's totally fine. It, it's it's they okay. Yeah, absolutely. They're all um, dead. <laughs> uh, did, uh, I, I'm going to pick, uh, like... No, I'm actually going to go with... I already picked Nick Cave. I, I called I'm, dibs. I'm going with Zbigniew Preisner, who's a classical composer, and he he scored a lot of films that I love with Krzysztof Kieślowski. And uh, I abs- he he made me re-fall in love with classical music, and he does incredible... And he's alive, actually, so okay. I would... I would That's do actually really. I good would call. do an, yeah. like a mm. beautiful orchestral album with him because it might actually be able to happen because he is alive. Yeah. I, yes, <laughs> I hope so. But uh, yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't know. There's there's just to, so many. I don't. Mm. A lot of those people like you don't even want to collaborate. I just want to be in the presence of your greatness. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You know, if I'm watching Kate Bush perform, I'm just like, what am I going to do? I'm going to swoop the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, like uh, you know, later era Bowie's like. Because I got to see him so many times. You actually saw Bowie? Oh, a lot. In late 90s, up until he had heart attack. He was very generous on tours and living in New York. He played a lot of small clubs. Really? You got to meet also his bandmates and have conversation and really learn a lot. Mm -hmm. Pretty much directly, like, up close. And that period of uh, Bowie's very personal to me. So I thought he was like very much on the upswing musically and i think as the time goes by people really will acknowledge it yeah yeah more well, and more just Bowie's, as much as the 70s you know well he's making a big resurgence with young people too yeah right now. because yeah. it's yeah. just timeless and it's 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 not just it's music but it's not just music it's art it's literature it's visual art it's architecture it's like everything's in there it's, mm-hmm. it's intellectual it's adventurous it's uh you know it's transcends a lot of things so yeah uh, it would have been really cool uh, to to be in that presence, you know. <laughs> well, grab a Ouija board. Maybe you can make it happen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. Uh, he's somewhere out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, speaking of dead artists and, and collaborations and everything like that, and obviously I'm going to put a plug in there. Um, you know, I'm releasing a Lou Reed song, which you are singing background vocals on, and yeah. it sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. I had a lovely mm-hmm. time singing, and it's a great version. And Obviously, that song is just beautiful. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's Pale Blue Eyes, um, for anybody who has not heard that song. Um, And I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. Instead of ending with the general theme song, I want to end with uh, Ain't Dead Yet, because that's one of my (laughs) favorites. And, you know, talking all about this, you know, grander personification and symbolism, you know, and praising that song, I want people to hear it. So, What is the general theme song that you started the show with? Um, I actually, here's a funny you thing. can't tell me? No, that's, <laughs> the, 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 that's my, my, my producer and I, Pete Jacobs, we got together and we did that, that I'm playing guitar. It's there. really cool. Thank you very and much. When we were starting, I was like, that's really cool. I want to hear what happens afterwards. Absolutely nothing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to happen Brilliant. is entirely okay. up to you. Keep it that yeah, way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I wanted to use the song. Quit while you're ahead, man. Well, that's my life. That's yeah. why I'm going to die at 35. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get ahead first. Yeah, exactly. I got to start smoking the camel yeah. nut filters again. Um, but no, that's why I, uh, I wanted to use the song Going Out West by Tom Waits. Oh, yeah. Um, Ooh, I do love that oh, song. I love that. We got, I got to play that with Laura Rebel at the Tom Waits thing. Did you? Oh, you guys did the Tom Waits tribute, yeah. didn't it's you? It's happening yep. this year again. We're not doing it. This year, but we did last four or five years. See, I, that's ridiculous, man. I really yeah. wanted to catch that. But show. going out west, we did with uh, Laura Rebel, who's a good friend, and she's a really cool artist. Yeah, it's rocking. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's, they appreciate me. Yeah. Uh huh. I, I sit there, my <laughs> friends, and I will put that on the jukebox. And whenever we go out to the bar, and they're like, "What the? F-? Every it's it's funny seeing everybody's it's reaction. So like, what good, the fuck man. is this? I'm like, <laughs> that is you know, so good. This is my moment. <laughs> in fact, I'm gonna listen to it in the car after we leave. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what that song is inspired by. Oh, cool. And um, moving forward, uh, I want to emphasize. Any and everybody who's listening to this to take the time to check out Oracle Gabriel and Anana Kay and um, catch a show if you're in Nashville. And if not, all of their socials, all their music is out. Watch their videos. Um, it's just on Instagram and what have you. It's Anana Kay, right? Yes. You yeah. guys are just under your name. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We just were too lazy to we come up, up with names. a bad name. The Rolling Stones was already taken. And everything yes. good was already taken. Yeah. And, you know, it was really hard. So we just, you know. I mean, it's K a kind is, of a name and name, really. It's yeah, it's sort of a pseudonym. Names, yeah. K is not really my last name anyway, so. Well, uh, Holden's not my last name. Right. <laughs> no, my last name is Lacricchio. It's Jeremy Joseph Lacricchio. Everyone's like, what the, f- where did you get Luke Holden? I was like, I'll never tell. You know? you know what I just like, I just read about this. This is like, I told you about it, it's just so hilarious until we wrap up. Um, you know, apparently Kierkegaard would publish his works and books under uh, pseudonyms always. And then he would review them himself in papers and al- almost always give them negative reviews. Oh, that's I'm strategic. Like, Independent artists should start doing yeah, that. Yeah, we are doing it. We are you just don't doing know that. that. <laughs> well, I can start writing negative reviews for you guys uh, if you want. You know, I've written you a few reviews. you got to start writing negative reviews for, for, your, for your own music. Oh, Jesus God. But yeah, but then they'd be sincere. So <laughs> <laughs> how do I bounce back from that? I, I hate everything I fucking do. It I, is. You know? It is. But then you start a buzz, I guess. Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm the Who sad doesn't? clown incarnate. A friend of mine once said, he said, I don't care what they say about me as long as they spell my name right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, 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 that's a challenge. That's a big struggle. That's why we're changing our names. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the names that we know you by, Rockley uh-huh. Gabriel and Anana Kay, we look forward to seeing those names more often and hearing the music behind them. So, Yeah, we actually been on a positive note we're really excited about this music that we're going to put out this year. Well, like what's coming out so. this year? This year, next year. You know, the songs that Anana mentioned, a bunch of songs that were, uh, we're going to be on a follow-up album to sure. Whispers and Size. They're going to be really, really excited about that. And, I mean, yeah, it's going to be cool. Do you have a title for it? No. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be an album and just going to be singles or EP right. or we something. We have no but plan. We're just Just listening to-, to the recordings, what we've done, it sounds... Sounds great. It sounds Good. adventurous and but still true and honest. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's one thing we want to stay. Well, do us all a favor. Don't quit while you're ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do <laughs> we that we're not ahead yet. <laughs> Join the club, man. <laughs> Join the club. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank, thank you, you for you. having Anytime. us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, this is Anana Kay and Rockley Gabriel, and they're single was it a single or was it part of an album it was part of an ep called sentient that's right okay and this is ain't dead yet all right see you guys next time